Good morning. morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is Peg Moffat, and I serve as the secret angel coordinator in our congregation. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. As we prepare for worship, let us bow our heads in prayer. Almighty God, we pray for your blessing on the church in this place. Here may the faithful find salvation and the careless be awakened. Here may the doubting find faith and the anxious be encouraged. Here may the tempted find help and the sorrowful comfort. Here may the weary find rest and the strong be renewed. Here may the aged find consolation and the young be inspired. We pray this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Now, as we worship together, let our hearts receive his Holy Spirit, our ears listen to his word, and our voices be praised be raised in praise to the glory of God.
Will you please stand for the call to worship? Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God, it is he that made us, and we are his, we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let us worship God. was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him, and not without him not one thing came into being. He is the light of the world, and his name is Jesus. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. He invites us with open arms and nail-scarred hands to come to him. Let us do so now. Let us lay our sins at the foot of the cross and receive the forgiveness and cleansing of our hearts that only he can give. Let us pray. Almighty God, we have wandered far from your love. We have neglected your word in the torrent of words that we hear and read every day. Our hearts are troubled amid the conflicts and violence of our world. Sometimes we find it easier to withdraw from everything, to resist change, lest it require more of us. 
We know you are reaching out to heal us. Help us to respond. We know we are surrounded by your love. Let us feel it deep within, that we may reflect that love to all we meet. In Jesus' name, amen. Whatever you have done, whatever you have failed to do, whoever you are, whoever you wish you were but are not, you are accepted. You are welcomed. You are washed clean. You are raised up. You are forgiven, and you are set free. In the love of Jesus Christ, you are loved forever. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. believers across the globe and down through the ages, let us state what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now let us all greet our neighbors in the love of Christ.
Good morning. It's great to have you here at Church of the Palms. We're grateful that we get to be gathered up as the people of faith and to wonder about what God is up to in our lives and how we can be even a further reflection of God in the world. So we're glad that you are here to join us in that, especially if you're visiting with us today. We would love to know who you are and not only by a handshake and a hug after the service, but also we would love for you to fill out your name on the friendship pads, which hopefully uh, folks who know the drill will be passing those along to their neighbor in their pew. Lots of things are going on. Things do not slow down here at Church of the Palms uh, in the spring and the summer, so lots to look forward to. We are grateful for those of you who have been participating in our student sponsorship program, and lots of great trips are on the horizon for our students this summer, and we're looking forward to commissioning them and receiving them back throughout the summer months. But if you would like to pick up, if you are a student sponsor, a bookmark for your student sponsorship, please do so after the service underneath the tree. Those are available for you to take home so that you can continue to remember to be praying for our students. Also, if you happen to attend the student sponsorship dinner a way back, uh, there are pictures of some of you there so you, for you to pick up as well. So uh, please be sure to ask about those when you go to the sponsorship table. We have learned that uh, the food supply here at uh, Sarasota is uh, absent peanut butter. So we uh, have been looking uh, for ways by which we can get more peanut butter to give out to people as they come to our food pantry. You are aware that we have a 30-hour a week food pantry here at Church of the Palms. We hand out groceries, almost a bag every five or 10 minutes to folks in our community. and. Uh, Peanut butter is a great supply of protein, and we would love to be able to do that. So we're doing a peanut butter drive. <laughs> there you go. Um, so there's going to be uh, baskets available under the tree and also in the front office. If you want to grab a couple of uh, extra jars of peanut butter at uh, your local grocery store, please feel free to do so and bring those, drop them off, and uh, I know Kathy Robinette will be grateful. We will also be grateful if you help us with Vacation Bible School. We need volunteers for this great week in the life of the church, June 12th through 16th. And uh, we would love for you to help us out with that. You can note the information in your bulletin. You can register your child or grandchild online on our website. So feel free to do that. But we're looking forward to June 12th through 16th. We also want to make you aware that our classes are coming to an end. Our spring classes come to an end this Sunday, today, uh, with the exception of Wired for Word, uh, the Word Wired, or whatever that class is named. Um, we would uh, encourage you to keep that in mind. Check our website for updates on classes that will be happening uh, this summer and, of course, next fall. And on the back page of your bulletin, you'll see information about how important it is for you to continue your generosity through the summer. As I said, summer doesn't slow down here, but we know that people make their way to different places around the world, and we would love for you to find ways by which you can remain consistent in your giving. We're just a little bit off in our trend for giving for the year, so we can sure use your help by uh, perhaps giving in advance through the summer. And we want to keep in our prayers the family of Nan Wakeland, who passed away on Friday, and her service will be 12 p.m. tomorrow afternoon. Now I'd like to invite Jacob Moore to come up to share with us our graduating class of 2017. Good morning. 
As Steve mentioned, my name is Jacob Orr, and I am the youth director here at Church of the Palms, and it is both an honor and a privilege to be up here to commemorate our seniors of 2017. If you would, please stand <laughs> and make your way forward. Um, this is a bittersweet time for a lot of us here. For these students' families, it is a time to bust out the tissues, take a lot of photos that they probably don't want to take, and possibly even rejoice if you're the sibling hoping to get a bigger room with a little bit more room and freedom. <laughs> for their friends, it is a time to ponder what life is going to be like the next time they see each other. Will they be different? What will their career path be? What has their college experience been like? And so on. However, with that being said, I personally am not nervous. I have had the privilege to get to know most of these students, and I can honestly say that they'll be just fine, in part because of their tremendous amount of love and support their parents have shown for them, but mostly because each of them are well-rounded individuals who are well-rooted in God. I will not tell you college is easy, but I will tell you that it's easier with God by your side and in your heart. Each of you have had passions planted within your hearts, minds, and souls, and they've been planted there for a reason. God has been with you up until this point, and he will continue to be from this point forward. For as the Lord said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And if you remember those words with you as you go, I promise things will be okay. Why? Because God works for the good of all those who love him, those who are called to his purpose. Each of you has been called, and each of you are about to embark on your callings, and God will be with you every step of the way. So without further ado, let me introduce to you Church of the Palms graduating class of 2017. Up first, we have Peter Cornetit. His favorite memory at Church of the Palms was Sunday school while growing up, and he will be attending Berry College in Rome, Georgia. Yes, round of applause, always good. And next we have Kevin Deems. Kevin's favorite memory at Church of the Palms was his trip to Montreat between his sophomore and junior years because that was the year he changed and grew the most, both personally and spiritually. His plan is to attend George Washington University to study the fields of engineering and applied sciences. Our next student is Sheila Dunn. Her favorite memories at Church of the Palms were her trips to Cedarkirk and the student lock-ins. And Sheila plans on studying medicine at the University of Florida. And after Sheila, we have Cody Elliott. And her favorite memory while here at Church of the Palms uh, were her meaningful conversations with her friends during one of our student lock-ins. And Cody will be attending Smith College in Massachusetts as a Stride Scholar. And up next, we have Alex Stander Enyart. His favorite memory at Church of the Palms was when he was able to attend the mission trip to Nicaragua because of the impact that the locals there had regarding his perspectives on life and the need to be thankful for all that he has. And this coming year, Alex will be attending Florida Gulf Coast University in Fort Myers. And following Alex would be Cecilia Ghosh, but unfortunately she cannot be here this morning. Um, and her favorite memory at Church of the Palms was her confirmation experience and the time she got to spend with the baby chicks and the ducklings on Easter morning. Um, and she is heading to the University of Colorado in Boulder, um, where she will be studying environmental science. So she's not here, but we can still give her a round of applause. <laughs> Maybe she's watching back home. And then up next, we have Meredith Haas. Her favorite memory here at Church of the Palms was her trip to Montreat with both her immediate and church families. And she will be attending Southeastern University where she plans on pursuing a major in education and a minor in ministry. After Meredith, we have Skylar Haber. 
Skylar's favorite memory at Church of the Palms was dressing up as an elephant for the Chunk or Treat <laughs> event. <laughs> I was there. It was pretty great. Um, Skylar will be attending the University of Florida as part of their honors program, where she plans on majoring in biochemistry and minoring in psychology. Our next graduate is Bobby Cook. Bobby wrote that he will always remember the youth at Church of the Palms for being extremely welcoming and all the leaders for being understanding and loving. And Bobby will be attending Florida State University in Tallahassee. <laughs> Following Bobby is Parker McHenry. The persons at Church of the Palms who made the biggest impression on Parker throughout the years were Jeff for introducing him to his faith and Bill Mallett who helped keep him focused on God. And Parker will be attending the University of Florida, and he made me say, go Gators. He's, if you can't find him, he's the one in the bright blue. Yeah. And then next, we have Jessica Mercer. Her favorite memories at Church of the Palms were a trip to Nicaragua, and all the time she got to spend growing in God alongside her best friends. Jessica will be attending the University of South Florida and hopes to pursue a career in athletic training and or physical therapy. After Jessica, we have Olympia Spivey. Olympia's favorite memory at Church of the Palms was when she walked into her first youth uh, event where she was greeted in the most welcoming way she could have ever imagined. And the person at Church of the Palms who made the biggest impression on her was Jen Viev, AKA her second mother. <laughs> Next, we have Matthew Stern. Matthew's favorite memory at Church of the Palms was his time during confirmation. And next year, Matthew will be studying at the University of Central Florida. And following Matt, we have Kaylee Wan. The person at Church of the Palms who made an impression on her was Carol Homeister, who was paired with her and her family group at Montreat. And a fun fact, Kaylee and Carol both have the same birthday. And she will be attending Florida State. <laughs> so. And then after Kaylee, we have Daphne Wagner. One of her favorite moments at Church of the Palms is working with Brian Haas in the nursery. And the person who made the lasting impression on her was Yoko Spivey because of the compassion that Yoko shows everyone she works with. And being on staff, I can agree. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Amelia Weber. Amelia's favorite memories here at Church of the Palms uh, come from singing and worshiping in the contemporary worship band in the garden. She also has enjoyed all of her summer trips um, with the youth, especially Nicaragua, and in the fall she will be attending Flagler College where she will be pursuing a career in art education. And I present to you your graduating class of 2017. And be one second, see. Before he closes in prayer, I had one quick announcement. Um, Peg Moffat, if you would please stand. Um, as Peg mentioned earlier, she is the leader of the Secret Angel Program. Um, and what this means for you all is you have the opportunity to come alongside um, any of these students anonymously as essentially a pen pal um, to both encourage them in their college careers and in their spiritual lives. So if you're interested, please contact Peg, myself, or Lori Haas for additional information. Now, Steve, the floor is yours. <laughs> Under the tree, Peg will be there. <laughs> All right. An underperforming gang here, would you say? <laughs> yes. Uh, it is great that you are at this point. Many of you uh, began your journey over there.
uh, in our church at our baptismal font or maybe at some other baptismal font somewhere in the world and you began your journey with the family of faith uh, that we find now here at Church of the Palms. Consider these people your great aunts and uncles as you make your way into this next chapter of your life because these folks have been praying for you ever since you started over there as a little child and you're here now and now you're on your way but we'll never stop praying for you. We will never stop hoping the very best for you and we hope that you will always find this to be your family of faith, that you will know that we love you, that you're always welcome back home uh, to this place, and we will always be anxious to hear how God is at work in your life as you make your way into the next chapters ahead of you. So to that end, let me pray for you. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you give us <clears throat> the church, you give us the family of faith. We thank you that you give us children that we get to watch grow from the point at which they were baptized to the point at which they were confirmed to the point at which they graduate from high school and make their way into the world. We thank you, O oh Lord, that from the very beginning you gave us your Holy Spirit and that Jesus Christ has been dwelling within us from the very beginning. So we pray, O oh Lord, that you will remind these good folks as they make their way into the world that they don't go alone, that they've got great aunts and uncles back here at the church who are praying for them. They have your Holy Spirit, they have Jesus living in their hearts, and we pray that they will always know that you love them, that you accept them, that you embrace them, and that you walk with them wherever they may go. May they sense your presence and be empowered by your spirit, for we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Give them another round of applause.
Please join with me in prayer. Holy God, we come to you with hearts wide open. We seek your love and grace. We are filled with gratitude for the gift of life, for the warming presence of our fellow believers as we gather this morning in worship. We thank you for that lovely group of young people who are on to the next stage of their life. And we thank you above all for your grace, the way it holds us and sustains and emboldens us to trust in you and for the love our hearts feel for each other and for those in this world. We have stories, all of us, and as we share our stories with this loving community, stories of joy and sorrow, of truth, of faith and hope, I thank you for the way these stories bind us together and the confidence you give us to tell them. We lift our thanks too for those who, even in the face of hard things, use their voices to gift us. For those who speak kind words when silence or anger might be the answer and easier. For those who share our own feelings, but also the truths that we share together and those who give us joy, even when sometimes that experience is a rare commodity. May we be inspired by these voices of kindness in our group to lift our own voices and add beauty and grace to our world and help us to speak not only with our words, but also with our hands and our feet, with our choices and our actions. We know, Lord, that you're always with us in darkness and in light in every season and every moment of our lives. You hold us in your loving embrace and you're with us through the problems that plague our world for which a solution seems unimaginable. We pray for those across the world in our city and in our very midst who struggle. Help us to expand their imagination in the face of persistent violence and tensions in the face of political upheaval and corruption, in the face of everything that divides us and marginalizes so many of your children. Help us to resist resignation and acquiescence. Remind us that in you all things are possible and embolden us to sow seeds of love and grace so that your kingdom might grow. We are aware of those particular individuals in our midst who are struggling and suffering a loss, some as recently as two days ago. Those who feel lonely, we pray that they might feel a consolation of company. We pray for those who have health issues, who wrestle with financial issues, who face strife internally or in their relationships, those sick in body and those sick in spirit. We pray, Lord, that you show us how we might speak and act out your grace so that your people will know that we are bound up together in your love. And finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves. We know you love and care for us beyond our comprehending and that you're always close at hand. And so we pray that you'll hear the words we offer and the prayers, some which have no words. Give us faith to hear your voice in our lives that we may continually be strengthened and emboldened to bear the story of your love to this world and help us to continue to trust in your promises to join our voices always 
with your son Jesus, who prayed and taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We'll ask the ushers to come forward to lead us in the giving of tithes and offerings.
us pray. We are grateful, O Lord, to be giving you these gifts because we know that you first gave them to us, so we return them to their maker. And pray, O Lord, that they may be used so that others may come to know and discover the great joy of gratitude for the sake of your kingdom. And we pray this in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated, and we'd like to invite Carol to come forward with the children's moment. Please just um, know that you can come up to kids' worship here after we go upstairs for a little kids' worship time. Hey, have a seat, guys. Come on up, John, up the rear. Okay, so I have a question. Does anybody ever have to take anything that looks like this? What is this? Do you know what it is? Anybody? What do you think, Sam? What is it? Ibuprofen. Ibuprofen. It's medicine. What, do, what does medicine, I know. What does medicine do? What do we have to take medicine? What do we have to take medicine for, Maddie? To make you feel better. Yeah. What about you? Ever have to take it? Yes, and it tastes disgusting. Does it taste disgusting? When I was a kid, it didn't come in bubblegum flavor or grape flavor. It was really bad, let me tell you. Well, what would you think? What would you think if I told you that you guys could make your own medicine for free? Yeah, you could. Um, this is how. When we choose to be cheerful and happy, it can heal us, sort of like medicine. And we can actually heal someone else and make them feel better if we are cheerful and happy and if we even make them laugh. Did you guys know that laughing and being happy is like medicine? It can, it can make us live longer. It's actually proved, proven that laughing can make you live longer. That's crazy. So the experts can't tell us exactly why being happy and laughing is such good medicine, but they know it works. So I have, can I have that, Walter? I have found a clue, I actually need that. I have found a clue that I think might be the reason why, and I found it in my Bible, and it's in, right in the middle in Proverbs. Uh, where is it? Proverbs 17:22. Listen to what this says. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. A cheerful heart is good medicine. So have you guys ever felt really sad or bummed out? Maybe you were really, really worried about something. And then somebody came along. I mean, it can almost give you a stomachache, right? When you get really worried about something or scared. And then what happens? What does it make you feel like when somebody comes along and cheers you up or makes you laugh? It's like, a, it's like good medicine, isn't it? we should always remember to listen to what the Bible tells us, that a cheerful heart is good medicine. Let's pray. Dear God, fill us with your spirit to be happy and live with a cheerful heart. Help us to spread joy that we might be good medicine to others. Amen. That was quick. That was quick. Yeah. <laughs> Hehehe. <laughs>
Our scripture this morning is taken from the second chapter of the book of Galatians, Paul's letter to the Galatians, the beginning at the 15th verse. Hear the word of God. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is justified not by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. And we have come to believe in Christ Jesus so that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by doing the works of the law because no one will be justified by the works of the law. But if in our effort to be justified in Christ, we ourselves have been found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. But if I build up again the very things that I once tore down, then I demonstrate that I am a transgressor. For through the law, 
I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if justification comes through the law, then Christ died for nothing. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. We are grateful for the balm in Gilead and for laughter as the best medicine and for your Holy Spirit who helps us to understand these words just read. Bless us with your grace in Christ's name, amen. In J.R.R. Tolkien's masterpiece, Lord of the Rings, he tells the story of a world called Middle-earth In many respects, Middle-earth is a rather charming world with lush landscapes and cute little hobbits banding about. But at the same time, Middle-earth in this story is experiencing a growing and menacing evil. All is not well. A dark force is at work and something must be done about it. And as it turns out, the sum of this evil force is localized in a ring that falls into the possession of a hobbit named Frodo. And with this ring comes a mission, and the mission is to destroy the ring. But the only way to destroy the ring such that it's really destroyed is that it must be taken into the heart of evil itself, the epicenter of the dark force, the summit of Mount Doom, and there it must be cast into the volcanic crater to be destroyed. The mission to save the world has fallen into the hands of this little hobbit Frodo and his hobbit companion Sam Gamgee. Three volumes of Tolkien's classic follow this hobbit and his friend as they somewhat reluctantly take up and pursue their mission to save the world. It is a mission fraught with peril. Every step has the potential of being a misstep, but the two little hobbits continued going on armed with nothing but the call to save the world. As they draw close to the epicenter of evil, the top of Mount Doom, the evil forces grow in their intensity, threaten to crush them, and fill them with every reason not to go on. They doubt themselves and wonder if they could rise up to the task. Perhaps they should turn around and return home. And now it is night, the night, before they summit finally the mountain called Mount Doom. The two hobbits, Sam and Frodo, are lying in hiding, not sure of what the next day will bring. And Tolkien writes these words. Sam sat down beside Frodo. No more debates disturbed his mind. He knew all the arguments of despair and would not listen to them. His will was set, and only death would break it. He felt no longer either desire or need of sleep, but rather of watchfulness. He knew that all the hazards and perils were now drawing together to a point. The next day would be a day of doom, the day of final effort or disaster, the last gasp. At last, 
He groped for Frodo's hand. It was cold and trembling. His master was shivering. It is no surprise to know that those words were written by a veteran of World War I. J.R.R. Tolkien had, as a young man, burrowed trenches on the front lines of France to repel the advance of the German-Austrian-Ottoman empires. Later, Tolkien became a professor at Oxford and found himself teaching young men who themselves were being sent off to the next world war to repel the advances of the menacing forces of Hitler. For Tolkien, the stakes always were high. The mission to save the world was always before you. Now, it turns out that this mission to save the world seems to find its way into the hands of people who are not up to the task. In fact, the mission to save the world always finds its way into the hands of people who are not up to the task. The ring falls into the hands of a hobbit. The fate of world wars fall into the hands of 18-year-old privates first class. The delivery of the Israelites from Egypt fall into the, falls into the hands of a cowardly stutterer, Moses. The kingdom of Israel falls into the hands of a teenage shepherd boy, David. The delivery of the Messiah falls into the womb of a Jewish peasant girl, Mary. The building of the new community of the church is placed upon the foundation of the man who cut and run and denied ever knowing Jesus. The mission to the Gentiles falls into the hands of the least qualified apostle Paul. The mission to save the union of the United States falls into the hands of a backwoods Illinois lawyer. If there is anything that history teaches us and that the Bible teaches us is that the world is saved by people like us. Not just people like us, but people who are us. The heroes of today are the people sitting in these pews. The ring falls into our hands. Now this timeless historic and biblical lesson often gets lost on us because we think that the world's saving stories are the stories that end up in the history books. And we imagine that there is little chance that we ourselves will have to climb Mount Doom or that we will have to dig trenches on the front lines of a war or that we'll be elected president or that we will have to confront Pharaoh. No, we say to ourselves, those folks who save the world are the people who are on the front pages of the paper or the thin pages of the Bible or the glossy pages of our textbooks. And that somehow, that means that the rest of us get a pass, that, that we get to kind of mosey along. We, we get to shrug our shoulders. We get to shake our heads. We get to watch our cable news, and we get to say, whatever. <laughs> whatever. What a wonderful word, whatever. Edmund Burke said once that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. I'd like to revise that and say that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to say whatever. Whatever is an easy word to say, right? Because 
It's just an easy word to say. Read today's headlines, whatever. The rich get rich, the poor get poorer, whatever. Talking heads arguing on the cable channel, whatever. See addiction on the rise, whatever. Your parents get divorced, whatever. Your best friend turns us back on you, whatever. Whatever is the word of indifference. It is the word of disengagement. It is the word of who cares. It is the word that says not me. It is the word that says it's not worth it. Whatever. The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to say whatever. The Galatians, the community of Celtic Christians to whom Paul was writing this letter, were a community who were just on the edge of whatever. And their whatever had to do with what it was they were believing, what was necessary to believe about the gospel. Some believed one way, some believed the other way. Some said their requirements for, there were requirements for admission, like circumcision, that Laurie reluctantly talked about last week. Some thought that there weren't any requirements at all. And pretty soon they were saying, whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter. I don't care. But Paul was not a whatever kind of guy. The, word, the world, according to Paul, does not get saved by whatever. For Paul, the gospel had everything to do with the gracious power and presence of Jesus Christ in our lives. For Paul, the gospel was not a proposition. The gospel was a person. The, the gospel was a crucified and resurrected person who was alive and who lives inside of us. You can sit there and argue theology to your blue in the face. You can bicker about Bible verses until you're blue in the face, but when it boils down to it, Paul says, the gospel is the living reality of Jesus Christ inside of us. It's no longer I who live, Paul says. It is Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. You cannot be a whatever person and say that. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and who gave himself for me. It explains, doesn't it, the life of the apostle, this misguided murdering zealot who once thought it was his mission to persecute the early church, but then something happened. Someone happened. It wasn't a proposition. It wasn't a politically pithy pronouncement. It wasn't some rule or regulation that got put onto Paul. No, something happened. Someone happened to him, and Paul looked inside and found within him the risen Christ and realized that it wasn't he who was doing the living anymore. It was Christ who was living in him. And when Christ is living in you, then you are on a mission to be Christ in the world. And when Christ is in the world through us, the world changes. It gets better. It gets truer. It gets more beautiful. And we become heroes because day by day, moment by moment, we are changing the world with that sure and certain presence of Jesus. Charles Sheldon wondered about that when he wrote his classic story entitled, In His Steps story written about 120 years ago about a community of people in a Midwestern town who began to ask the question, what would Jesus do? This is about 100 years before the bracelets, WWJD. 
Charles Sheldon's story, what would Jesus do? And they asked it because they first believed that Christ was in them. It was the only question they thought to ask. The banker asked it. The newspaper editor asked it. The pastor asked it. The mayor asked it. The local businessman asked it. And because they asked it, the newspaper got truer. The banker got cleaner. The church got more loving. And they found out that when they began asking that question, the town began to change. They started saving the world, but it wasn't they who were saving the world. It was Christ who was in them saving the world. They didn't ascend Mount Doom. They didn't dig a trench in the front lines of France. They didn't abolish slavery. But each and every day they started asking this question, what would Jesus do? Not the Jesus out there somewhere, not the Jesus trapped inside your Bible, not the Jesus that the preacher blah, 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 blah is about, but the Jesus who's inside of you. The you that goes to Starbucks or works a summer job or attends freshman orientation. The you that hits a double in the gap. The you that plans for retirement. The you that lands a nine iron on the green. The you that has friends over for drinks. The you that takes your grandchildren to Disney World. Christ is inside every one of us. And the sooner we grasp that, the sooner we begin living like heroes. So I wrote a play once. I am a playwright. <laughs> Didn't quite get to Broadway, but I did write a play. And the play I wrote is entitled 45 Seconds. And it's a play based upon a real man, a man named Cleveland Stroud. Cleveland Stroud is a real guy. He's a basketball coach pretty good basketball coach, good enough to lead his high school basketball team, the Rockdale County High Bulldogs, to the Georgia State Basketball Championship. And they won. An historic moment in the life of that high school, to be sure, and certainly in the life of each one of those players. And Cleveland Stroud became a hero in Rockland County. But he became even more of a hero when a couple of weeks after winning the Georgia State Basketball Championship, it was discovered that one of his bench players, a kid who was on the team more for practice than for playing, who Cleveland Stroud put into the end of a game, a game in which the Bulldogs were already ahead by 23 points, put into the end of the game, the last 45 seconds of the game, this young man, it was discovered, was actually academically ineligible. Not by much. Just a little, and he was in the game 45 seconds. And when Cleveland Stroud noticed that his, this infraction had occurred, that this academically ineligible student had played for 45 seconds in one game in which they were already ahead by 23 points, he called his team together and told them that they were sending the trophy back to the Georgia State Basketball Association. I told my team, Cleveland said, you have to do what's honest and right and what the rules say. People forget the scores of basketball games, but they never forget what you are made of. They don't ever forget what you're made of. They don't ever forget who is inside of you. It explains 
what Vicki and Bill Ball had to say when they wrote, to the letter, wrote their letter to the editor to the local Rockland newspaper, the Rockdale Citizen, after they had heard that the basketball coach forfeited the championship trophy over 45 silly seconds. And they said, we have scandals in Washington and cheating on Wall Street, but thank goodness we live in Rockdale County where honor and integrity are alive and being practiced. You see, now is not the time for whatever. For those of us who know that Jesus is inside of us, it is never a time for whatever. You can go to Harvard or you can pump gas at Sunny Sunoco. You can have brunch at the country club or cheeseburger at McDonald's. You can be the president of your country or the vice president of your HOA. You can storm Omaha Beach or you can make lunches for school. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you are. It is no longer you who live. It is Christ who lives in you. And the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loves us and who gave his life for us. It is enough to change the world.
Following the benediction and benediction response, we invite you to go outside and greet these new graduates and give them a high five and send them on their way. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide with you now and forevermore. Amen. Thank you.